welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Today's a special day because at the end of service, we're going to be praying over Pastor Joey and Katie, officially commissioning them as uh, for ministry as the worship pastors here at our church. So grateful that God brought them here, and I believe strongly that he divinely brought them here. I'm going to explain a little bit of that to you as we go through this for a time such as this. Uh, the message this morning, it kind of wraps around the idea of what happens when God calls us to something new. We're talking this morning about what happens when Jesus calls us out to where it is deeper. I'd love to just give you a tiny synopsis of how uh, Pastor Joey and Katie ended up with us at our church. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of it right now and then a little bit partway through. But from the beginning, as we kind of made our way through this transition, clear back in uh, the end of April, I had told anyone who would ask me, they like, who do you, what kind of person do you want to hire? I'm like, I just want the right person. I'll hire someone I know. I'll hire, I'll hire someone I don't know. I just want it to be the right person. Um, and I had a, a lot of uh, pastors, they, they really are not willing to hire people they don't know. And I was, that was not me at all. I was willing to hire someone that I didn't know as long as it was the right person and God brought him along. And I'll tell you what, uh, I called everybody that I knew. I called every pastor that might have a contact. I called all my friends that led worship. And uh, all of them uh, just was not the right thing for them for one reason or another. The reason was because God had the right person waiting for us. Um, but I called everyone I knew. I followed up on every contact. And I'll tell you what, it was frustratingly quiet for a while. You ever done that where you're like, okay, God, I'm waiting for the answer from you. And you just get real quiet and you hear crickets. That was totally what happened for a little while. I'm going to pause right there and jump into the message because part two of the, that little story fits perfectly within the scripture we're going to read here this morning. Unbeknownst to me, you see, God was in the process of calling someone to a place in their lives where it's a little deeper than they were. I would dare say to you this morning, friends, uh, it's very possible, probably even probable, that Jesus is calling you to somewhere deeper than you have ever been. Jesus is calling each one of us to somewhere deeper than we've ever been. But when it comes to heading out to where it is deeper, it's not about where we are called, but who we are called to. It's not about this church specifically. It's certainly not about me. It's about who Jesus is calling each one of us to be. And what we find in our lives, what I've found in my short 44 years, is that if we have the who figured out, then the where doesn't actually matter quite as much. If we're serving Jesus, if we're going where he's asking us to go, then where it is doesn't matter as much. When we are following the call of Jesus on our lives, we often find ourselves in places we never would have gone on our own. But those places where we never would have gone on our own, those are the ones where the sparks fly and where the miracles begin to happen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 5 as we get ready to read the word of the Lord this morning. Just like with the seven loaves and a few fish from last week that we talked about, uh, where there are people that will say, with the seven loaves and a few fish, that that was the feeding of the 4,000 we talked about last week. There are people that will say that that is the same incident as the feeding of the 5,000, uh, that they're retellings of the same event. There are those people that will say the scripture we're about to read to you uh, in Luke chapter 5 is just another version of the scripture in John chapter 21. But even more than the passage that we looked at last week, there's a huge amount of differences between the two. It's not even worth going over them all because it's so obvious they're different events. But just knowing that, uh, let's go ahead and read these 11 verses from Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke 5, 1 through 11. 
One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. If you've been around church very much, you probably have heard that story. When someone refers to the calling of the first disciples, which might be what your little heading is there, this is a passage that they're talking about, usually one of them. The way it's phrased in the NIV is pretty close to what has been traditionally the way we always hear this read or said. Those of you that have been around for a while, you probably smiled as you read it through your New King James along with me, and it said, launch out into the deep. In the New King James, that's what it says, launch out into the deep. But the way I've titled the message today, it actually comes from the New Living Translation version, verse 4, and the NLT says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Go out where it is deeper. I wonder this morning, 270 East Pennsylvania Avenue, if Jesus isn't doing the same thing with us that he did with Simon Peter that day. If he's saying to us, so listen, now that we're in the boat together, why don't we go see what it's like where it's a little deeper? Now that we're here, we're in your boat, let's go see what it's like a little deeper. And you see, friends, when Jesus locks eyes with us and we decide to take him up on that offer, it sets the stage for the wonderful and for the miraculous. So look a little closer at that passage. We see the first thing is that something better waits in the deeper water. If we're talking about a body of water, there is one thing that everybody knows. We're talking about a body of water, that is, that uh, it's safer where it is shallow. Right? It's safe where it's shallow. Uh, the, the big mean animals don't usually come to the shallows. It's easier to keep your head above water in the shallow. Now, shallow, uh, a lot, in a lot of cases, it depends on the person a little bit. It matters how tall you are. Sha- uh, shallow is in the eye of the beholder. You saw my brother-in-law in the, uh, in the video. He was the 6'8 guy with the ducky around his waist. For him, shallow is different than it is for me, right? He can touch a lot easier than I can. It's the safest when you can put your feet on the ground and keep your head above the water. It's a little bit easier when the water's shallow to know everything that is going on. When the water's shallow, we're in more control. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, there's something better out in the deeper water. There's something better out there, friends. I would dare say to you, there's something better out there where we can't feel the ground underneath our feet. A setting for this interaction between uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, is what Luke calls in the NIV the Lake of Gennesaret. 
It's the body of water that's really referenced all the time in the New Testament. It's also sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias. What we are most familiar with it being called, though, is the Sea of Galilee. You've heard that more than you've heard anything else. Luke has a habit in his gospel of always referring to it as a lake. But to them, it would have seemed like a sea. It was huge. 13 miles. It is huge. 13 miles by 7 miles. So you really couldn't see the other side very easily. So in a time when propulsion came from either the wind or from rowing, it seemed like a sea in many cases. If you were going to cross that thing, it was some work. This is early in the earthly ministry of Jesus. After all, because this is the calling of the first disciples, right? Jesus has not yet gathered the 12 who will follow him, accompany him for much of the three years leading up to his death and resurrection. But what we see at the beginning of that passage is that Jesus is teaching and the people are listening. The phrase that's interpreted there, uh, word of God, in most of our translations, it literally means word that comes from God or word that tells of God. And the people that have gathered, they might not be sure who this man is, but they know what he is saying seems like it comes from somewhere supernatural. And Jesus, he borrows Simon Peter's boat, and he puts out a little bit from the shore. It couldn't, must not have been very far from the shore because the people could still hear him. Most likely he sits down and he begins to teach. That was the common teaching posture in these times. He sits down and he begins to teach in the boat. And the path of the man who is speaking the word that tells of God, it is intersected directly with some fishermen who have just finished up a fruitless night's work. You see, friends, what we need to know this morning is that in order for us to find out what's in the deeper water, Jesus will often call us out of our ordinary. Now, the question you might be asking is, why were these guys fishing at night? Why were the fishermen fishing at night? Were they like catfish fishing or sturgeon fishing or something? I'm not much of a fisherman, but even I know that most of the fishing happens during the day. Catfish you catch at night, sturgeon you catch at night. Some of you who are amazing fishermen probably can think of other fish. But most of it happens early in the morning, right, or during the day, in the evening. But the thing is, these guys, they weren't fishing for fun. This was their day job. They probably were really good at what they were doing. In fact, there was around uh, the Sea of Galilee, there was at least 16 fishing ports around the lake. Fish was a main staple of the diet in this region. It was the main meat they ate. And fish from the Sea of Galilee actually was really sought after. They exported it in this time as far as Alexandria and Egypt, Antioch and Syria. They sent this stuff a long ways. There were towns scattered all around the lake, and they, they were well known for their fish. What we're getting at is that in order to be successful at what they were doing, these guys were probably skilled because it was competitive. It was a cutthroat market to get the best fish and get them out. They would fish at night because at night what would happen is the fish would come up close to the shore into the shallow water. And the fishermen in these days, they had these nets that were about 20 feet around and had weights around them. And they, would, uh, they were heavy on the outside and they would throw them out kind of like a frisbee. It would sink to the bottom and it would trap the fish. And the fishermen would have to dive under the water, gather the net up, and bring the fish in. It's a different version of fishing than we think of, right? They're not standing there with their feet in the sand, peacefully hoping to reel something in. They'd been doing physically demanding work all night. And we know from reading a little farther down in the passage that they had had a fruitless night. What Simon Peter knew, the guy whose boat Jesus borrowed, what Simon Peter knew is that they hadn't caught anything. 
But what Jesus knew is that something better waited in the deeper water. I'm here to tell you, friends, this morning that it often works the same way in our lives. My life, your life, life of your family, we're just going about our daily grind. Alarm goes off, we make the coffee if you like the coffee. If you don't like the coffee, we probably need to pray about that later, I guess. I don't really know. But we're just going about our daily grind. Maybe it has not even been that successful of a day. Maybe it was a sleepless night. We're just trying to clean up and get ready for the next theme coming down the pipe. But then Jesus shows up and he steps right into our ordinary life and he says, Hey, can I borrow your boat? Can I borrow this and can we go out here just a little bit? Except for us, because I don't know if you have a boat and a pond in your front yard, right? Except for us, it might be, hey, uh, I know it was a rough night, but can I borrow your time? I know it seems like you've been grinding and nothing's happening, but can I borrow your gift? Can I borrow your occupation? Can I borrow your nine to five? Can I borrow your family? Can I borrow your family? Because there's some people that I need to speak to. Friends, we might not know it right in the moment, but Jesus, he might be getting ready to call us out to where it is a little deeper. We also see in this passage, number two, that when we go to where it is deeper, it takes obedience. Look at verse uh, four and five with me once more. When he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. We talked a moment moment ago about how Peter, the rest that are with him, they are professional fishermen. This is not their first time on the boat or in the boat or on the lake. They've done this before. We've talked here before, and you probably know that the occupation of Jesus, up until his public ministry started, he was a carpenter or a builder. He probably built a lot with stone, actually, because they had a lot of stone. So the question we need to ask if we're reading this is, why would the fisherman listen to a carpenter? Doesn't make any sense. Why would the fisherman listen to the carpenter about where to fish? And I can tell you, after a fruitless night's work, what my attitude may have been had I been in the sandals of Simon Peter. Listen, I've been up all night. I tried all my tricks. I used my special net. I dove just the way I usually dove. I did it over and over again. And you don't hear me telling you how to build the wall or hold the hammer, right? So thank you for the advice, but I'm just going to head home. It's been a long night. I'm just being honest. That's probably how I would have reacted had I not caught anything and a guy shows up. So, again, the question, why did the fisherman listen to the carpenter? Obviously, Jesus was the son of God, and there was surely something divine that was drawing Peter and the other disciples towards Jesus. But also, if you look at their chronology of the New Testament, this was not the first time Simon Peter had met Jesus. In fact, we know, if you go read about it, that Jesus had encountered these guys while they were fishing before. There's passages in Matthew 4 and Mark 1 where something really similar happens. Jesus sees them while they're fishing. Jesus tells them to follow him, and they'll become fishers of men. They will fish for people is what it says. If we read Luke leading up to this, it seems that Simon Peter, he even also had seen Jesus perform miracles. It's likely even some of these guys, they believed on some level Jesus was the Messiah they were waiting for. It was really common in ancient times for a regular working class men to be followers, but not full-time disciples of a teacher or a rabbi. 
believe what the guy said, but they didn't, had not given up their whole life. This is very probably what these guys were doing. They were making their living by fishing and doing their best to be a follower of Jesus in the meantime. But something different happens this time around when the fishermen encounter Jesus because this time Jesus borrows their boat. And Jesus, he steps right into the middle of their everyday lives. And he asks them to do something that requires obedience. I think it's really clear from verse 5, uh, from what Peter says, uh, when, when uh, Peter does not put the boat out to the deeper water because he thinks that this plan will work. That's why he says to Jesus, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. This is the polite way of saying, I don't think this is going to work. It's a polite way of saying, hey, we are the experts at fishing. Leave it to us. That's a polite way of saying, we already fished at the best time. You know, you win some, you lose some. Some days the fish bite, some days the fish don't bite. But Peter, he does it because he respects Jesus as his master. He respects Jesus as someone who is in authority over him. Peter might not have agreed with Jesus, but he knew that he needed to obey. Some of us in this room, we're in that same, same place. We believe that God has authority, but whether we obey, that's another question. There was a miracle that was in store for Simon Peter, and it probably was just several hundred feet away. But in order for him to see it, he was going to have to obey what the master was asking him to do. And even more, what we need to see this morning is that obedience, when it doesn't make sense, often leads us to God's greatest provision. When God is asking you to do something that doesn't make sense, it often leads you to the best stuff. The miracle often waits on the other side of obedience that doesn't make any sense. And in our lives as believers, friends, there are wonderful things in store if we are willing to obey what the master tells us to do. This is where we pick up the story of how Pastor Joey and Katie ended up here. I was able uh, in August to take some time away just a weekend and really talk to God about the next step forward for our church. My friend Zach Seal, he, you remember, uh, he had been leading worship for us for the summer. And uh, he's a really, really good friend of mine. And um, uh, I was able to take a weekend away. We went up to my parents' uh, cabin in Donley. And uh, really, I was able to zoom out and think about um, what the Lord had next for our church, what the next step was. And like I said, I'd been calling everybody. I'd been putting out ads, all kinds of things, and just crickets. And uh, as we were up there, I really felt the Lord begin to speak to me about, um, you know, we, this thing we say all the time is that we believe if we love the family, we can change the world. Um, and so the Lord began to speak to me about what we do with our kids' ministry, and um, we do the best job we can, and we do a really good job taking care of our kids. Um, but I really began to think, and the Lord began to speak about what uh, it should look like at our church, and I started to think about Olga, our kids director. Uh, she gets mad if you call her Pastor Olga. She doesn't see herself that way, but she has a pastor's heart for kids. And um, really started thinking about the amount of, because when you work at a church and you run a church, there's a certain amount of money you have available to pay staff and those kinds of things. And uh, you only have a certain amount, just like it's your jobs. And uh, I really started to think about and ask God what to do with what we had. I really felt the Lord say, hey, you should actually raise what Olga gets and then just trust me for the part for worship later. Because we had a certain amount set, amount set out that I had kind of advertised. And so I came back and I pitched that to the board. Our board is awesome. And they were all about it. Pitched that to Olga. She was really excited. 
She's excited to be able to come to the church and bring the baby when she has the baby. And what has changed is Olga's here every Sunday, every Wednesday. She wasn't previously here Wednesdays. Um, she's here every Sunday now. She usually took one off a month. Um, and she's also here on Tuesdays with us at our staff meeting. She's here in the office, and well, we do stuff together. Um, it was a, a really good thing, and it was a change that needed to happen. Um, and the problem is we took some money and we allocated it to Olga, so I just had to think about, okay, well, what happens when someone comes along who I want to hire to lead worship? And I had to trust the Lord with that. But I'll tell you, as soon as that decision was made, things started to happen. When I say crickets, I mean it had been crickets. Like everyone was like, yeah, thanks for calling, but no. <laughs> as soon as that decision was made, things started to happen. People started to call me and get in touch with me. And my friend Zach, who led worship here over the summer, if you don't know, Zach is an HR guy. Uh, Zach is really good at talking with people. Um, he works at Lamb Weston in HR. Zach's awesome at what he does. And he's just a wonderful guy. And Zach is a big, he likes to work out. And Zach called me his last Sunday here in August. And he said, hey, me and Lauren, this is his wife, me and Lauren, we, he probably said Lauren and I because he talks correctly. He said, Lauren and I, uh, hey, we are going to help you find someone. We're going to pray. We're going to help you find someone. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Thank you. <laughs> a couple weeks later, he texts me. And he says, hey, I met this guy at the gym. He was wearing a shirt for Amberlynn. Amberlynn, if you don't know, is this obscure band that Zach and I like and also Pastor Joey likes. Zach texts me and he says, hey, I met this guy and he's wearing an Amberlynn shirt. So I went over and talked to him. And I think he, this could be your guy. And I was like, okay, Zach. <laughs> Thanks. He's like, give me some time. I need to feel it out. Sure enough, a week later, he texts me. He's like, hey, you got to come meet this guy. And remember, I had put it all in the Lord's hands. And I was like, okay. So I go, we sit down, and we have lunch, and connected right away with them. About Amberlynn and Switchfoot and a bunch of bands, but also on other stuff. Hurt his heart. And that's how we started on the road of hiring him, of getting to this day. I'll tell you this, though. It did not make that much sense in the natural for me to commit to doing it this way. When we committed to pay Olga a little more and not have as much allocated for worship, um, like, we, I had to trust the Lord that he would bring what we needed, that uh, the board would have the faith. Our board always has faith, though. Shouldn't have worried about that. And making that decision immediately, it brought up a bunch of practical questions in my mind. It was like, well, if we don't find someone to lead worship, how am I going to have time to do both things? I did not want to do both things. How am I going to have time to, like, learn any new songs, practice any new songs? How am I going to have time to train anyone to do anything when I'm doing all this stuff? Basically, I was saying the same thing that Peter said, which is, Lord, I already considered that, and I don't think it will work. <laughs> but I'm telling you, friends, if we are willing to go out where it's a little bit deeper, it takes some obedience. The miracle waits where it's a little bit deeper. These last few verses this morning, we see a couple of things. We see number three, when we go to where it is deeper, it changes our declaration from master to Lord. Read verse uh, 5 through 10 with me once more. Simon answered, listen to the beginning and the end of this passage. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. 
And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. It's important to know that these fishermen already knew who Jesus was because that helps us understand why they would have called him master. In this time, someone would have been called master if you were just simply acknowledging their authority over you. And this may be why Peter decided to do what Jesus was asking of him. Like we talked about, friends, when we obey, it gives Jesus room to do things that are miraculous in our lives. And one of the things that seems so evident in this passage and that I have seen proven true over and over again in my life, the lives of others, lives of my family, is that Jesus loves to work miracles using the natural things that we are familiar with. He loves to take a thing that we know and understand and and work a miracle with that. Jesus is ready to call these fishermen from a life of following to a life of being a true disciple. And the miracle is going to come in a way that these fishermen would distinctly understand. You see, these guys, I'm sure, they had very likely fished from this spot before. Not their first rodeo as far as the fishing goes. They knew the ins and outs of the area where they lived. And they worked just like you or I would. Example I was thinking of when we uh, started uh, pastoring this church, uh, I learned a little shortcut across downtown. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you come from like Elmer's over there where men's breakfast used to be, you can catch 9th kind of goes in between all of the condos there, and it turns into Boise Avenue. That's the shorter way across town. I learned that because when I would go to men's breakfast, I would follow all the other guys that lived over here. They would leave, and I'd be like, "What the where are they going? This is not where I was going to go. And I would pull out and follow those guys, and I learned this little shortcut across town. It became my area, right? And these disciples, they were in the spot that they knew. Jesus knew to find Simon Peter here. He knew just how to call him to a deeper place. Jesus, he doesn't do a miracle for Peter and the fishermen by multiplying building materials like he would if he was speaking to a fellow builder or carpenter. He doesn't take Peter out to a field and talk to him about farming. No, he takes the fishermen out to where the water is deep, and he does something that's undeniable with the fish. He does something that's going to leave no doubt about his authority with the created thing that the fishermen would understand more than anything else on the whole planet. After the resurrection, actually, Pastor Chase preached about this a while ago. Jesus would again find them somewhere similar. He would again miraculously speak through the trade they're familiar with. That time it says specifically they catch 153 fish. It's one of the ways we know this is a different story. This time, all we need to know is that the catch of fish, completely out of the ordinary. It happens at a time that doesn't make any sense. You don't catch this many fish at this time of day. And there are so many fish that the boats begin to sink. If they'd ever thought this many fish was possible, they probably would have been using bigger boats. The miraculous catch of fish, it might not have meant that much to the farmers, the tax collectors, but it meant everything for the fishermen. The miraculous catch of fish meant everything to the fishermen. As this is happening, we see something in Peter that is repeated in us when we follow Jesus to the deeper water. So I read that specific passage. You see, a master is somebody that you obey, someone whose authority you respect. But a Lord is someone you give your entire life to. There's a difference between those two things. You see, we find our deeper calling when we give our life up. We find our deeper calling like Peter did when we understand God's power next to our inadequacy. 
And we see the change happen in Peter in this moment as he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He doesn't say master. He says Lord. What kind of keys us in on this is that we see this declaration in other parts of the Bible when people come to a realization of God's greatness and their inadequacy. Abraham, Genesis chapter 18. Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Job 42.6, therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Isaiah chapter 5, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is what people realize, say when they realize they're in the presence of God. And this is what Peter says when he realizes he's in the presence of the very Son of God. You see, often along with a deeper calling comes a deeper understanding of the power of God. Not only that, but a deeper reliance upon God's guidance each day. For Peter, it was more fish than he'd ever seen in his life. And that was what changed it from master to Lord for Peter. For you, God calls you to the deeper water. It just might be financial provision. That might be the thing that says to you, okay, you're my Lord. For you, it might be a job that you may you thought you may never have and a place that you thought you may never live. For you, it might be the strong hand of God sustaining you in a time when you thought very likely you were not going to survive it in some way, shape, or form. Remember that in verse 5, Peter obeyed the command of the master. In verse 8, he bows at the feet of his Lord. Master is someone who must be obeyed, but the Lord is the one to who we give our lives. This morning, the Lord is the one who calls us to go somewhere that we never would have gone somewhere on our that we never would have gone on our own. One more thing we see is Peter bows his whole life to Jesus. Almost done this morning. Is this even though the water is deep, fear has no place. Just these last few lines uh, of this passage, verse ten and eleven, say this. <clears throat> then Jesus said to Simon, "Don't be afraid." From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You see, there might be, when Jesus calls us to the deeper water, there might be nervous excitement. There may be wondering about what God may have next for us. But when Jesus, the Son of God, calls us to the deeper water, what we see in this passage is that we don't have any reason to fear. Because Peter wasn't being asked just to leave his old occupation behind. Jesus was calling him to something better and to something new. The other times that Peter had encountered Jesus, he had gone right back to fishing the next day. We covered this before. He'd gone right back to fishing the next day. But the power of Jesus in this moment was so evident and the calling was so strong that there was no reason to fear what was being left behind. That's why Jesus says to him, hey, do not fear. So we must ask ourselves, what was the reason that Peter didn't need to fear? As I was finishing this up, uh, this was the part that I could not get away from. What was the reason that Peter didn't need to fear? Yes, he saw the miraculous catch of fish. Yes, Jesus had taken him to the deeper water. But I believe what the scripture shows us is that Jesus didn't send Peter to the deeper water by himself. It wasn't, hey, Peter... Go on out to the deeper water by yourself and then just go see what happens. 
It was, hey, let me borrow your boat, and let's go out to the deeper water together. And because we're going to the deeper water together, that's why you don't have to be afraid. This morning, friends, we're celebrating that Jesus has called Pastor Joey and his family to new into deeper water. Doesn't mean the place they're coming from, the church they're coming from is not great, just that this is new and deeper water. But working at a church, friends, it's not the only way to be called to where it is deep. You see, I believe that Jesus has a deep water calling for every single one of us. Just you bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. We're almost done. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't mind. I believe Jesus is calling some of us that have served him our whole lives. He's calling us to deeper water in our daily time with him. He's calling us to deeper water, some of us friends, and how we love and how we lead our families. Some of you, and I believe this strongly this morning, that Jesus is calling us to deeper water in our daily habits. As you give the moment of the Lord to speak to you, what if Jesus is saying to us, yeah, the water may seem deep, but let me show you what it looks like when we live in freedom and free from that addiction. Yeah, the water might seem deep, but let me show you what it looks like if you don't need that thing anymore. Jesus may even be calling some of you to deeper water when it comes to serving in this very church. And I believe it's so important to notice here that Jesus did not ask Peter to prove anything. He just borrowed the boat and said, hey, let's go out a little farther. And I believe there are some here who have yet to discover exactly how incredibly God can use the gifts that he's given you. Maybe it's because you feel unqualified or you feel inadequate. God can never use someone like you. But the truth is, he's just waiting for us to turn the boat over to him. For some of you that are here, it just might mean simply turning your life over to Jesus today for the first time. Or maybe rededicating your life. Maybe at some time in your life you have called him master. Or maybe at some point in your life you called him Lord and it's not that way anymore. Maybe you have obeyed Jesus. Maybe you've obeyed what God says just because you knew you should. But it gets difficult. Maybe you never have obeyed the word of God today, but today you feel Jesus speaking. And it's time to make him the Lord of your life. We don't end very many services without giving people this opportunity. But if you're here today, and whether you uh, have been far from God and you need to return to him today, whether you have never known Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, who lived a life with no sin, died and rose again, whether you've never known him, but today you sense him calling you to make him Lord of your life. If that's either one of those things for you, would you just raise your hand across this place so I can know to pray with you? Thank you so much. Put your hands down. Thank you so much. Friends, we had some uh, people raise their hand this morning, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer together as a church family. When you say this prayer, and I know most of you already know the Lord today, but when you say this prayer, um, you are agreeing with those who are extending their hearts toward Jesus and saying, hey, come please be Lord of my life. So I'm going to ask every person in this room, would you repeat this prayer after me? Would you say today, dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Today, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. You came to earth. 
You lived a life with no sin, and you died, and you rose again. Today, I'll make you Lord of my life, and I accept you into my heart. Amen. Friends, if you said that prayer this morning, um, and you meant it from the depths of your heart, Jesus is making you new in this moment, and he's getting ready to call you to deeper water. And if you said that prayer for the 50th or 100th time, Jesus is still getting ready to call you to deeper water. Uh, what an awesome day. Hey, um, our final thing we're going to do, I'm going to call uh, uh, Pastor Joey and Katie up here. Would you guys come up here? Uh, I'm so grateful to have you today. Um, and um, we're going to get ready to pray over them. And uh, just so you, I can pray our board members and our staff that aren't here. I'm just going to get ready to call you guys up here so you can pray. But, hey, I believe God brought you guys here for a time such as this. So, hard for me to express my gratitude to God for you guys. So, I'm so grateful for you. And uh, we just want to commission you, tell you uh, we love you. We're so excited to have you here. So, our board members, our staff members, anyone else that wants to come up out of your seats, let's lay our hands on these guys. And uh, this is what we do as a church family. So come on up. Let's lay our hands on them. We're going to pray over them, commission them this morning. Give you as much time as you want for you guys to come up. Lord Jesus, I thank you that uh, you do all things well. God, I thank you that what your word says is true, that every good, perfect gift comes from you. Lord, I thank you for these people, um, man, just starting out their life together, and you've called them for a time such as this. Lord, you've bound them together for this moment. I just pray that uh, your spirit and your presence would come upon them in a way that it never has before. Uh, Lord, that the uh, the ties of their marriage would be stronger than they ever have before. Lord, would you let them serve each other as they've never served each other before. Lord, as they parent little Mia, I pray that they would be um, the parents they have always hoped to be. Yes, Lord, you've called them to come to this church and to minister at this church. But, Lord, more than that, I just ask that you would be evident in their family. You'd be strong in their family. you place your strong hand upon their shoulders. Lord, we do commission them for ministry at this church. Uh, though, Lord, we ask that you would use Pastor Joey and use Katie, Lord, to bring people to you, to point people to you in a way we've never done at this church. Lord, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would be present every time uh, Pastor Joey leads us. As Katie uh, does whatever it is she chooses to do with this church, even if that's just come and be someone who attends. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give her a gift of grace that she's never had before in her life, that you would guide her and direct her. Lord, that their ministry would be fruitful and that more people would know about you and people would know you better because of what they do in this place. Lord, we know that you brought them here for a reason. You've prepared our church uh, for this place or prepared our church for them for a reason. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bind us all together by the power of your mighty name. Lord, we know you've got great things in store. So would you make our path straight? Mm. Would you let our eyes be wide open, Lord Jesus? And would you become... Uh, famous uh, as we proclaim your name in Boise. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen, amen, amen. Friends, thanks for coming to church today. Hey, you came on a special day. Would you give these guys a big hand? Here's a gift from us for the two of you. Love you, dude. Thanks for coming. Um, you are absolutely dismissed to go. Thanks for coming to church today. Don't forget, families help people move. So come find me if you can help us uh, help Imani move. If I did not meet you today, I want to meet you in the lobby uh, before you go. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, we got something for every age or uh, next Sunday. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.